I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin and how did they end? Let's find out on episode 44, The Rise of Urartu. Previously, on The Fan of History, the Neo-Assyrian Empire entered... The dreaded interval, a dark period of decline. Argishti became king of Urartu and expanded the kingdom. Urartu just overtook Assyria's position as the major power of the Near East. So, Dan, what is going on? Well, we are about to end the 780s BC and move into the 770s BC. And Argishti is the king of Urartu. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 wait, wait. What? What? The king of Urartu, you didn't mean, you always mentioned the king of Assyria first. What's yeah, going on? That doesn't matter anymore. What? Because Urartu is the most powerful state in the Near East. Oh my goodness, this is, I'm going to take a minute. It's going to take me some time to get used to this. We've been talking about Assyria for so long. Yeah, those guys are in the interval. Mm. They're fading. Oh, well. I guess let's continue with Urartu. And uh, we can refocus our uh, attention. Yes. Uh, Agishti is hiding behind great fortresses and mountains, guarding his growing kingdom from the remains of the Neo-Syrian Empire in the south. And while the Assyrian Empire is busy falling apart, Argishti expands in every other direction. And he is uh, probably the greatest king Urartu ever had. And this is the zenith of the kingdom's power. So Argishti is now acting and he's doing stuff every year, just like uh, the kings of old of Assyria. So in 783 BC, Argishti moves west. And this is his fourth campaign. He marches into the lands of Tuate, which is what will later become Phrygia. Phrygia? We'll, the Phrygians. Yeah, we'll talk about the Phrygians and King Midas. Yeah. Later in this century. 
So Argishti claims to have uh, captured two cities, Jurmani and Jadani, and they take much booty, including horses and prisoners. This, this, these are all from the Urartian records, because as I said in last episode, we have the full records of Argishti. And in 782, Argishti does the one thing that is probably the greatest thing he ever did. First, he, uh, he founds the modern capital of Armenia, Yerevan. Okay. Yerevan is still uh, the capital of Armenia. Wow. It has its own province in the state of Armenia. In 2011, it had 1.06 million inhabitants. That's amazing. Um, the, the, the concept of cities even close to that old is just, I mean, we have nothing like that here in the U.S. Yeah, when something is really old in the U.S., it's like 200 years. Right. It would be a historic landmark if it was 200 years old. And I, I remember that in Spain when we were, when I was there and, uh, you know, they were showing us the city and um, they were talking about building a new highway and they were knocking down this this building and I looked at it and I said, this building looks ancient. Why are you knocking it down? And they said, oh, it's only like 400 years old. That's like 400 years. That would be a national landmark. Yeah, in, in Stockholm, the capital of Sweden, there is a bar that is like 400 years old that I sometimes go to. <laughs> wow. But uh, we, we are a little ashamed in Sweden because our capital will celebrate 800 years in my lifetime. And that's a bit young for European capital. Like London is 2,000 years old. Right. So we are like, oh, stupid northerners. We didn't know how to build cities 2,000 <laughs> years ago. That's funny. But this is a very active year, 782 BC for Agishti. He builds a bridge of the Araxis River, and the bridge foundations are still around. He advances up that river un until he reaches Lake Sevan, mm -hmm. which then becomes a part of the Eratian um, kingdom. He conquers a city called Kikuni on Lake Sivan's western shore and makes it a part of the kingdom. He attacks Uburda and captures its capital, Irdua. He invades a kingdom called Kaki. He constructs several huge forts on the way. But the crowning thing he does then is to found the capital of... Uh, they found Yerevan. Okay. And we have his own words about this foundation. So now I want you to read for Argishti. And <laughs> when you read for Argishti, use your uh, Assyrian king voice that we have heard before. Okay. But now think that you're a megalomaniac king on top of a high mountain and you're entirely safe and you're kind of a mountain nut. Kind of a mountain so, nut. Yeah, so give us your best shot. Oh, okay. Got to think about this for a second. So, I'm a king. I live in the mountains, and I pretty much think I'm unbeatable. Yeah, you are the best. I am the greatest. So, let's see. Get, get position my mic a little closer here so I can sound louder. And of course, you talk about yourself in the third person. Oh yeah. All, shouldn't all uh, until you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will talk about myself however I want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the spirit. Yeah. That is Agishti. Like, By the greatness of the god, Kaldi Argishti, son of Inua. 
built this mighty stronghold and proclaimed it Erebuni for the glory of Urartu and to instill fear among the king's enemies. Argishti says, The land was a desert before the great works I accomplished upon it. By the greatness of Kaldi, Argishti, son of Manua, is a mighty king, king of Urartu, ruler of Tushpa. That was kind of an interesting experiment in first and third person, because he, he talks in third person about himself, yeah. and quotes himself talking in the first person. First person, yeah. That's, wow. that's magnificent. <laughs> so I think we'll leave Agishti there for a little while, sitting on top of Yerevan and having the day of his life. And uh, let's move to China where King Zhuan of Zhou dies. I am very sorry anyone who understands Chinese or my butchering of these Chinese <laughs> names. Um, there is a note saying that from this time on, the many lords mostly rebelled against royal commands. We are getting very close to the end of the Western Zhou dynasty. And the Western Zhou kings, they did control what was then China. They were kings in charge. And that is about to end, but not in this episode. There is a legend that King Zhuan killed an innocent man uh, named uh, Dubu. And Dubu's ghost came back and shot the king. Oh. Wow, that'd be... That'd be something intriguing. <laughs> Instant payback. <laughs> nice. And King Xuan had tried his best to rule China, but it wasn't enough. And now King Yu takes the throne of the Western Yu. And King Yu is the final king. Mm -mm -mm. I wish I had more about the events of these years. I wish there were records like the Assyrians. And right. if there are, if you know of anything, let me know. That also applies for the 7th century in China. I have very little. But I would love to know more. Uh, so this new king, King Zhou, he yeah. marries... He is married already to Queen Shen. And they have a son called Jijiu. And the queen was a very good girl to marry because she has a very powerful father, the Marquis of Shen. So being married to uh, this Queen Chen is uh, a very good political move for poor King Zhou. But in the West, the Kuanrong, the dog people, has grown powerful once again. And they are threatening the Zhou capital. Oh. oh Remember the dog people? I do. Yeah, they were beaten up by King Mu in one of our very first uh, episodes. That was a long time ago. But they are back and they want some revenge. Yep. And we don't have any King Mu now to defend poor China. It's amazing how fast information travels, in, even back then. Because clearly yeah. they understood that this king was a weak king. Yep. And so they formulated their move. You know, they basically were biding their time until then. 
you know, I get it now. You know, we got the internet and all that good stuff. Heck, even when we had a decent postal service back, you know, 100, 100 something years ago, that was still, you know, quick information comparatively, but wow. I'm, I'm kind of guessing here, but I think the, the success of other lesser barbarian peoples mm-hmm. have now inspired the dog people to come yeah, back for vengeance. That, that makes sense. But they got a pretty good beating because they stayed away for 170 years. <laughs> right. So let's jump around as if we were Littlefinger in Game of Thrones and go to <laughs> Israel. Yeah, we can just poof, poof wherever yeah. we want to be. In, in 782 BC, King Joash of Israel dies. And remember, he still has King Amasai of Judah as his hostage. Oh, that's right. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. What are they going to do with him? Yeah, I don't know. He probably didn't do much about him, but... Remember he took those Edomite idols from Mm -hmm. Amasiah when he defeated him? I do. By the end of his life, King Joash seems to have started to worship the Edomite idols. These Edomite idols are so good. They are like, you look at them and then you are, I should worship these guys. They, They look amazing. These are the greatest idols I've ever seen. There is a record that Joash made his son Jeroboam II co-regent already in 793 BC. But it is Jeroboam II who succeeds as king of Israel. And one of his first acts is to release the king of Judah from captivity. So Amasiah is finally released. And then he goes back to Judah. So Amasiah comes back to his country. But his son has been ruling his country since he went away. So there is some friction there. I can imagine. But Uzziah, the son, he, he, he goes with the flow. So he welcomes his father back and they rule together. Really? The only thing, the only fly in the ointment here is they, that they don't have their sweet Edomite idols anymore. Oh no. 
And in the same year, in 782 BC, Shalmaneser IV of Assyria attacks the Itua again, this mysterious Aramean tribe. And uh, yeah, we don't know what happened. Maybe nothing happened. And then we get to the year of 781 BC, where we have two very different records about what is going on in the Assyria-Urartu area. Because if you ask the Assyrians, Shamshi-Ilu fought Urartu twice in these years, but they, uh, there is nothing else. We don't know anything else than this from the Assyrians. But remember, we have the full chronicles of Argishti, so Argishti should know, and that's why we are now going to do an interview with Argishti about the years 781 and 780 BC and see what happens. So, do we have Argishti on the line? Yes. Hey, Argishti, what did you do in 781 and 780 BC? I was fighting most ferociously in Bushtu. Babilu and Persua. Well, but Persua I sort of heard of, but people today have a problem finding some of the places you talk about in your inscriptions. Are you sure you're not making these names up? No. They are right over there. And over there. And just to the left of over there. Oh, so so what happened in those uh, those ferocious fights. I took many prisoners in Mana and Bushtu. Mana? You, you didn't even talk about Mana first. You, you're making this shit up. No, I am not. You have forgotten. So in, in those battles you also fought some Assyrians, right? Assyrians? I have never heard of them. We have the records of the Assyrians, and they say that the, the great feed marshal, Shamshi-Ilu, fought you. Who? who? Shamshi-Ilu? She, she sounds very hot. And we will hear more about this poorly documented conflict in the 770s BC episodes. But the situation is dire for the Assyrians. They have one of their worst kings they ever had, Shalmaneser IV while Urartu has the best king they ever had, Argishti. But another place will steal our focus in the next episode, because in Greece, everything is still very split up. They are recovering, as we've talked about, but people are still living in their small city-states. Yeah. And Greece has these high mountains and valleys, and you're very isolated from the next valley. So everything is fragmented. They do have kind of the same religion. They're starting to have the same gods. But they really need something else. Something special to make them feel like one big friendly Hellene people. <laughs> so they want to be the Hellenes together. But they need something. And there could be a solution for that in the next episode. Ooh. And that's it for the 780s BC. That is it. That That's a lot of stuff happening all over the world in this one episode. And actually, uh -huh. next decade, more stuff will happen. And I think this is a breaking point. That the world will be very different after the 770s BC. Hmm. So I think this is a point where you could like end an historic era. There is no historic era ending here, but 
<laughs> I think there should be. So basically, Assyria was keeping the rest of everything in kind of a constant state of... I don't know what you want to call it. It's like when you... Um, you know when they have found indigenous peoples, but if those indigenous peoples are in really harsh conditions, uh, they themselves have not basically progressed past Stone Age. I mean, even recently they have found, you know, some indigenous peoples who are living like that, but, you know, the, their environment is very harsh. I wonder That's if so I'll... fascinating when they do. I, know. I love that. Like I in the Amazon and in New Guinea. Yes. And I wonder if Assyria was basically the harsh condition keeping the entire area from, like, evolving, you know, uh, sociologically. That, that could very well be true for the Near East. But even if you talk a lot about Assyria, uh, we have to remember that compared to later empires, this is not a huge one. Mm -hmm. And, for example, the Greeks are almost totally free of Assyrian influence. They will not be able to avoid Assyrian influence entirely. But uh, they are at a safe distance from the empire. You, you never see an Assyrian king uh, going through the Greek mountains. <laughs> no. And Carthage is safe as well. And other places are safe in the other direction, like the Indian kingdoms. And so, But stuff will happen in the next decade. All right. Well, it looks like in the next episode, we'll be doing some sports history coverage for a change. We sure will. All right. Well, that is it. So please, please, please go to YouTube, subscribe, like, share, tell your friends about us. Give us a review on iTunes. We will read it. Also, Facebook slash Fan of History thefanofhistory.wordpress.com patreon.com slash fanofhistory that can help us out help us continue to make these episodes if you want to follow Dan he's at Dan Horning on Twitter if you want to follow me it's at Cerulean Says Hi I'll add two things there on the YouTube channel Fan of History the easiest way to find that is to go to YouTube search for Fan of History because it has some weird name <laughs> Uh, but on that channel, we do the Timeline the World History series, and I just did an episode about 6,500 BC. If you think the 780s BC is way too modern, check yeah. out the Timeline of World History, <laughs> where we're doing the entirety of world history, starting in 200,000 BC. Uh, and we just did uh, a, an episode about uh, Chinese writing in 6,500 BC. So there is some evidence that the Chinese had some sort of writing 3,000 years before the Sumerians. And check that out on our YouTube channel. Also, about Patreon, if you, if you like this and you want it to stick around and continue, consider supporting us with a dollar per episode. Because if you do that, and we can find 30 people who do that, we will continue beyond 701 BC. But right now, that is our stopping point. We'll go to the destruction of Sennacherib, a gigantic event in 701 BC. And then we'll have to find some other subject. And I'm right now having a big success with another podcast in Swedish about 
the unsolved assassination of our prime minister back in 1986. And that roughly qualifies as history. So you might get something <laughs> about that if you don't contribute. <laughs> but we really like to do the 7th century BC uh, going up to the, to the very end of the century. But the big event in the 7th century is the final destruction of the Assyrians in 612 BC. And I would love to cover that because there has been very few destructions so complete and total and filled with anger as when the Assyrian Empire finally completely falls in 612 BC. And everyone is there to like stomp on the remains of the Assyrians <laughs> because everyone hates them so much at that point. Wow, so please help us cover that. Yeah, if, if, if you have been harboring any ill will towards the Assyrians for all the piles of skulls that they have left everywhere, then um, help us make that happen. Yeah, and if we can do that, we would also love to continue into the 6th century BC and cover the Neo-Babylonian Empire. And, of course, Cyrus the Great, one of the most fascinating people in world history, who takes what the Assyrians did and makes it even better in the wow. Persian Empire. Hey, I have, I, have, I have several Persian friends who I am certain would love to hear this. Yeah, Cyrus is a fascinating character. Awesome. Well, that's it for this week. So, for this week, I am Brennan. And I'm Dan. And this has been The Fan of History. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.